Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I am Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is on the podcast with me. Almost said across the way, but he's not. Uh, Eric, how's it going, man? Pretty darn good. Excited to talk about fall camp, which is here. Yeah, we're, we're, we are now into fall camp. Uh, and there's tons of stuff going on with the Oregon football program. Also with just college football in general, as uh, everybody gets is, is gearing up for their first games of the football season. And before we dive into this, eyes we, we have seen football. We've actually seen football play. Before we dive into what we've seen, let's remind the listeners that if you were, are not a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, now is the perfect time to try it. And we say that a lot of the time on the show, but this is one of the better times because we have a promotion right now. For the price of one month membership, you get three months. So for less than $10, I believe uh, the actual price right now changed just a little bit, is $9.95. For $9.95, you can get three months of VIP access to DuckTerritory.com as well as 24-7 Sports. That gets you inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks. You can read all articles on every 24-7 Sports site. You can see our VIP crystal ball predictions. Uh, we have a, a very active and healthy message board. And best of all, if, if you are a free user on DuckTerritory.com, reduced ads. There's significantly less ads on uh, the VIP side of things uh, with a VIP membership. So make sure you take advantage of that. $9.95 gets you three months, all of fall camp, all of September, and all of October. Uh, that's a chunk of the season. It's a majority of the football season. So highly encourage you to do that. Now, Eric, fall camp has started and we've been able to watch two practices. We've had a media day. One of those two practices that we were able to watch, we were able to see the entirety of the, of the Oregon football practice. And, um, I, I think going in, maybe the, the biggest impression and you can speak of this on the defensive side because that's kind of where you focus your watch and I watch the offense. Um, right. Just from the sheer scope of the overall landscape of Oregon football, this freshman class is you, – you already can tell some of them may not start, start this year. Some of them may not even play this year. But this group has that potential to be a, you know, a high-impact class on, on the football program. I think you look no further than the defensive line for kind of, I mean, that's a position group and we're talking about Bren Dorless, uh, Keon Ware Hudson, Suava Poti and Christian Williams, but that's a position group where, where those guys aren't maybe the most highly regarded recruits coming in. A right. couple of those guys were, were four star recruits of that kind of nature, but not guys that I think people who are star watching, you know, or who are looking at the recruiting rankings are going like, oh, these guys are going to be big time players, but you just look at the way those guys physically entered, and again, it's not the headliners of the recruiting class, but four massive guys on the defensive line that have looked good in drills, that are already starting to kind of push into that that two deep a little bit or push towards it. I think most of them have been kind of in the third team defense, but that to me is is kind of the what that's kind of the barometer for me of just looking at this group of just these aren't the guys that we maybe focused a lot of attention in during the off season, even through the recruiting process. But when they arrived, they're just size. And the size in general of that defensive line stands out. And, and you've talked to, we've seen obviously what Cristobal is trying to do offensively with that offensive line, bringing in some huge bodied guys. Now we're starting to see it on the defensive line. And that's been an area where Oregon has had, and the fact of an, as a whole, and I think Cristobal has mentioned it a few times, just the disparity from the Southeast, even the Midwest to, 
to the to the West Coast in terms of defensive line prospects. Oregon has some guys that are really, really big. They're freshmen. They're going to just get bigger and stronger. And I think that's going to be something that is going to continue to pay dividends down the line. But to me, that was one of the things that stuck out just this week, just in kind of seeing the sheer size of these guys, because it's basically four guys that are pushing 300 pounds, and only a couple of them are guys who expected to be that big. Yeah, this group certainly has a lot of excitement. I think there was already a lot of excitement with this group going into camp just because of, you know, highest rated recruiting class in school history and, you know, the five star Kayvon Thibodeau and, you know, all the other top 100 guys, the guys that Oregon beat out USC or Washington for or other, you know, programs. And, and so there's a lot of hype about this class. And, you know, we should note that We've seen two practices. It's just the first two days and they weren't in shells even. You know, they were just right. in helmets, shorts and, and their uniforms. And so, you know, the actual football will start this week when the full pads go on and things get physical. Um, but, for, but from what we've seen, things have been, have been very good and that's what you want to see. And I think someone that's stood out on the offensive side of the football for me that maybe I don't know if He's kind of gotten a, a, a bad rep isn't the bad, isn't the right way to phrase this, but he's kind of got lost in the shuffle. I think maybe taken for granted, maybe. Um, and that's four-star running back Sean Dollars. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because of yeah. all the guys that were coming back. You know, CJ Verdell, Travis Dye, Cyrus Abila Keo, Darian Felix is back off his injury. Um, you know, they had running backs on the roster already, proven running backs and, there really isn't that big demand of a guy that, you know, even fight for a second string spot. Um, but dollars in the first two days of practice has, has certainly looked the part of someone that could help when called upon. I don't know if he's going to play this year, you know, but he just looks like one of those guys who's physically there. He runs smooth. He seems like to just glide through the air when, when he was, we were, we were watching his drills and, um, I just, I was very impressed with him two days in and, and it's no, it's, there's no pads, but he just, he looks the part of a, of a guy that could help right away. And on the defensive side, a guy that if we're kind of going to run down impressive incoming freshmen that we hadn't seen before, cause Micah Pittman has kind of stolen the show, but we'd seen him in the spring. We kind of expected maybe not this good, that catch he made. We should mention if, if you didn't yeah. make it out to the Saturday uh, up in practice, he made a diving catch. I think. Rob Mosley has a, a photo on his Twitter account that it, that sort of exemplifies it. I mean, he was fully extended, couple feet in the air, and made a diving catch, and it was absolutely the the play of the of the camp so far, at least of what we've seen. So we kind of expected stuff like that, but a guy like Dollars, who we don't know how that's going to translate, but a guy defensively who even more, I think, a little bit under the radar, Jamal Hill, yeah, um, who who came in as I don't I don't want to say an afterthought, but he was a late addition to the class, one of the last few guys to sign. Uh, a, a safety prospect out of Georgia who is clearly put together. You watched his film. You knew he could move really well, but I don't know if we knew how it was going to translate. But through a couple of practices, and, and again, maybe we're just catching him on good days or, or he's starting off really well, and this won't be something he'll do consistently, but he's looked like somebody that can absolutely contribute this year. And he was running with the second team on Saturday because uh, Verone McKinley's kind of banged up, and that moved him up a line. But he performed very well. He had a really nice interception in 11-11 period. He had a couple other pass breakups, but he's just someone that seems to always kind of be in the right place at the right time. And we saw, we see this every now and then where 
the first couple of days of fall camp, you get an idea of which guys are going to impact. Javon Holland was a guy last year, Thomas Graham the year before, and Jordan Scott, those kind of guys. I just get a sense that Hill might be one of those players who ends up being kind of a, a little bit under the radar coming in. And, and by the end of fall camp, we're talking about someone that's going to play a pretty decent role for the Oregon defense. And that's certainly, again, a bit of a knee jerk because it is only a couple practices, but he certainly feels like someone who's positioning himself to be in the discussion throughout fall camp. Yeah, and, and we've seen good things from Kwan Thibodeau. We've seen yeah. good things from Micah Pittman, uh, Jonah Tuwanu, Mace Funa. You know, you go down the, Michael Wright, you go down the list of Oregon's high profile guys. We've seen some solid things from them. Um, and, and that's not to say they aren't performing well, but you know, I, I think Dollars and probably Hill, like you said, are, are probably the two guys that came into camp that, and, and like you said, it's two days in, um, and a couple practices, but you know, the guys that very little was expected of them yeah. and they're already impressing. And I, I think that, now, that's what's worse stand out ish. Now, Saturday's practice, we got to watch the entirety of that. And I think going away, the biggest storyline from that was the play of, of Micah Pittman, just because yeah. he made every catch again. You know, after media day, he said his goal is to never drop a pass in practice. And day one was, was correct. And day two was, was also uh, a day where he didn't catch, he didn't drop any balls. And I think. There was always this stigma of, hey, he's going to have to help in some capacity. But, you know, Rob Mosley put it in his practice report because he gets to watch all of practice. And one of his early practice reports, he said that Micah Pittman is already in the running to be the Oregon's most consistent receiver as a true freshman. Um, I, I think that's, you know, probably one of the biggest storylines of camp is that it's not that he's already in position because if he was, he was here for spring ball and, uh, not because he's here, you know, in position to make plays. It's he, he could have a claim to be Oregon's best receiver. Maybe that's a really knee-jerk hot take reaction so early into camp, but I was just very impressed with just his overall demeanor, his route running, his, his, you know, ability to catch passes and just, I don't know. I, I I'm very high on Micah Pittman. I already was, but he, he was, he made a ton of plays in that Saturday practice. I think the thing with Pittman is like we, this is like, feels like kind of best case scenario. Like we're, it almost feels like he's sort of maximizing his practice time and kind of everything we've seen. Like we, when we talked about him in the, in the I think in the summer, one of my bold predictions was he was going to lead the team in receptions, but it was a bold prediction because it was kind of like best case scenario. He figures it out. He's that reliable presence in the slot. And through a couple of days of practice and we keep using the caveat, it's only a couple of days. They've got 20 fall practices before they start prepping for, for Auburn. So there's a lot of time still. But it does feel like he has that upside to really follow through with that and maybe be a humongous part of this offense where he is a guy who catches 60, 70 footballs this season and is in the conversation for the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year honors. He feels like, and that's, again, huge praise early on, but he's looked the part. And we knew receiver at Oregon was a position with a lot of question marks, and there's still a ton of them. But I think in general, the receiving position has been I think one of the bigger, I think that's been one of the bigger positive things we've seen. I, I mean, there have been times where they've certainly dropped passes. There have been times where everything hasn't been perfect. The secondary and the corners are really good, so sometimes it's been hard for them to create separation against them. But for the most part, I think, and it's not just been Micah Pittman. I think Jawan Johnson's made some nice plays. Jalen Red's made some nice plays. Brandon Schooler, Johnny Johnson have made nice plays. Brian Addison, uh, Josh Delgado, Jared Waters caught a touchdown in 11 on 11. Yeah. Uh, from K- Kale Mellon with the third team uh, on Saturday. 
uh, it just feels like there's quite a few guys that are, are, are capable uh, of making, uh, uh, you know, contributions this season. And, and again, it's a position group where it was, you know, widely considered the biggest question mark, probably on the entire team. And I think we saw on Saturday at least a pretty solid practice from them. And if they're able to continue to build off that and, and that becomes kind of their status quo as we enter the season, that could answer some big questions. Again, it's early. Uh, you know, we, I think typically are, are pretty high on the, the look of the receivers coming in, but uh, there's something feels slightly different with this group. And, uh, I think it's kind of started with Pittman because he seems to have set the tone by being such a consistent presence out there. But I don't think it's felt like he's the only one who's made contributions early. What's been maybe the biggest revelation through two days of practice of watching the defense for you? That's a good question. Uh, I, I guess in terms of a couple of depth chart things that sort of stand out is, is Brady Breeze over Nick Pickett at safety for two consecutive days. Um, I, I was just – Pickett started a lot of games the last couple of years, and it kind of felt like it was his job to lose. And to start fall camp with him with the second team – it's a little surprising. I think, um, Brady Breeze, I think, had a really strong spring, we should say. And, and, you know, he's had a weird career at Oregon where he's had moments where it looks like he's going to, you know, blow up and become the team's starting safety and then something happens and he had a bunch of different coaching changes. They, they played him at outside linebacker a little bit last year, which was not, I don't think, a great fit. But it looks like he's now in position to possibly start at safety. Uh, over a guy in Nick Pickett, who I think has 11 or 12 career starts, who's, who's been maybe more than that, actually. He probably has closer to 14 or 15, because I think he started like 12 games last year. Um, that's been a big surprise for me. Uh, and, and again, maybe it shouldn't be that big of a surprise, because Breeze is talented. They're about the same age. Uh, Breeze, I think, actually started the spring game and was with the first team towards the end of spring. But I think that my sense, at least coming out, was it's going to be Pickett probably, maybe Breeze will contest, but the fact that Breeze has opened camp with that first team has been kind of, I think, surprising to me. Yeah, he's certainly an interesting guy. I mean, he was one of the better in-state guys the last few years to to come out of the state of Oregon and, and Breeze. And like you said, he had a good, he had a really good camp and and season his freshman year, yeah, his redshirt freshman year, and it looked like he was, you know, going to be in a position to make some plays. And I think Javon Holland showed up and maybe took some, you know, some spots, some snaps from him. Uh, but now it looks like he's back in that battle again with Nick Pickett. And look, <coughs> excuse me, as, as Mario Cristobal says, you know, competition is, is what wins games and winning games solves everything. Uh, he said that at media day. And so, the great quote, you know, may, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, competition for, for between Pickett and Breeze is good. Uh, and, and it, it will push both guys to get better on the offensive side of the football. Um, there, you know, Mario Cristobal said at Media Day in, in LA for the Pac-12 conference that, you know, there's some competition along the offensive line and it's not yeah. just a few positions. There's, there's shuffling that's going to happen. And day one, the starting unit opened up just like it, it would. And then day two, uh, the, the offensive line had some shifts. Brady Ayala was, uh, at right tackle. Calvin Throckmorton was at right guard. Uh, Dallas Mormack was working with the second team. Uh, and, and, you know, Oregon has, is, is shifting guys around. They're moving players up and down. And I think, you know, the interesting thing here is that, you know, Steve, they've got some guys now, I think, on the edge in the second unit that are really good. Uh, Brady Aiello is, is a proven commodity as a senior. 
He started at, at games in every single season, uh, his redshirt freshman, his sophomore, and now his junior year, uh, and now he's going into his senior year. So I, I think if you – Oregon has that luxury with, with Aiello that if someone were ever to go down or, you know, whatever – He's basically a sixth starter because he, he's that good. I mean, he could start for a majority of the Pac-12 teams. Uh, and I think they're, they're really pushing, you know, the find their best five, but it's, it goes beyond just, you know, yellow at, at as a backup tackle. I, you know, I think Stephen Jones was very impressive, uh, last year and, and now, you know, he's had a full season of work and, he had some, he had two plays where, granted, it's not against, it, pads aren't on yet, um, but the sophomore straight up dominated Kayvon Thibodeau two straight times, pancaked him twice. Yep. Um, and one on one drills. And I think, I just think it's the offensive depth for me. I mean, we kind of knew this already, but just seeing the guys that they can rotate in and out of the rotation to, to, to put in certain spots feels like Oregon's got some guys. Uh, and they don't have to just rely on the same five guys every game. Alex Forsyth was somebody else who was really yeah. good in one-on-ones or 1v1s on Saturday. Uh, made some really nice plays. Uh, like you said, uh, Stephen Jones continues to impress. And I think that Dallas, Wormack, Brady, Aiello battle, and it's weird because they don't play the same position, so it's sort of a strange thing. But that's just, I guess, one of the, again, one of the benefits of having a guy like Calvin Throckmorton around who could theoretically be you know, a, a really, really good right guard or a really, really good right tackle or a really good whatever position you needed him. Uh, his versatility, again, allows them to possibly kind of move some things around to really find their best five. And ultimately, I'm going to guess it's going to be one of those two seniors starting next to Calvin Throckmorton, whether it's Womack at right guard or Ayello at right tackle. But certainly agree that with guys like Jones, Forsyth, Toyano, um, there's some options and, and some real interesting kind of things they could do. And uh, this group continues to be very, very impressive. And, and the battles between the offense and defensive line, again, on, on Saturday's practice, those 1v1 drills were – there was a 7-on-7 going on the opposite field, and most of the reporters had their eyes locked in on that on, on those drills just because it was really fun to watch and the talent was really, really clear just across the board on both sides. I mean, it was pre- pretty evenly matched, to be honest with you. Yeah, let's take a break now. We'll hear from some of our sponsors, and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue our talk on Oregon football's uh, fall camp. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is also on the show. Um, Oregon has Monday, August 5th off. They had their third practice Sunday. There was no media availability to that. We were not allowed in. Um, they will resume practice, Eric, on Tuesday, August 6th. We'll both be there. And then they'll, they'll practice basically from Tuesday through Saturday, uh, where we'll have media availability. We'll get, get to go in and, and watch practice. Um, it's going to be interesting, uh, t- to see how things play out, uh, this week because the pads go on. Um, they'll, they'll have a couple more days of shells. I think shells will be on Tuesday as well. And if I'm guessing correctly, pads will go on maybe the, like, the 7th or the 8th, which would be Wednesday or Thursday. That'd be my guess as well. I don't know. We, we don't have a direct idea on that. I think you have to have, what, five practices or something yeah. like that before you can do it, something along those lines. Yeah, and and, and after that, once pads go on, a couple days later, or I'm sure Oregon will have their first scrimmage. Um, they typically will do those around uh, weekends on Saturdays. Um, it'll be interesting to see there. Um, real quick, let's kind of go through each position group, just kind of overall takeaways from each group. I'll start with uh, the offense, and then you can wrap up with the defense. And um, I, I think you should start off with a quarterback. Um, nothing really groundbreaking here. Um, I think maybe the most groundbreaking thing we've seen is that you, you spoke with Kale Millen, who said that um, he's kind of understanding that he's going to redshirt this season and He's just kind of focused on getting better. Um, Tyler Shuck has, has commented on being more at ease at, at the position and more, you know, confident in, his, in himself. And Justin Herbert's Justin Herbert. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country for a reason. Uh, doesn't look like he's ever, you know, the, the, the two practices we've seen already, he hasn't really looked like he's, degra- uh, you know, st- taking a step back in his game. Surprise. Um, at running back. We kind of touched on this earlier. Sean Dollars is a guy that's been pretty impressive, but you know C.J. Verdell's had some some runs that would be touchdowns or very long runs in in, in practice, and has looked the part. And Travis Dye and and Cyrus Avila Keel have, have certainly gotten their reps in uh, with the first team as well. Darian Felix is working with the second team, and then uh, Javon Wilson, another true freshman running back, a bigger guy. He's certainly big. We can tell you that. Uh, haven't seen a lot of him in, in game type situations, but from a physical standpoint, he's, he's there, um, for, for running back out of Oregon, uh, receiver for the Ducks, uh, been status quo. It, it, it's, we've kind of touched on that before. There's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of guys that are competing against each other for playing time. You know, we, the first team has, has been Jawan Johnson, Brendan Schooler, and Jalon Red. Uh, the second team is Micah Pittman. Uh, Johnny Johnson, uh, the third, and then Brian Addison, the, the redshirt freshman, uh, working with the second team at receiver. But we've seen other guys, you know, go in and out of, out of the first team and in and out of the second team. So this is going to be a position group that's always in flux. Uh, tight end, um, pretty much status quo. Jacob Brillen's number one. Hunter Campmore right now is number two with Spencer Webb, uh, and Patrick Herbert kind of you know, rotating into those second units as well, waiting for Cam McCormick to get off the ankle injury. And unfortunately, that guy is just always, oh, ha- man. he has the worst luck. He's always hurt. Uh, and it's something 
you know, something minor, something major, you know, hopefully McCormick gets his, his body healthy and he can have a chance to compete because Eric's high on him. I'm, I'm pretty high on him as well. Um, and then the offensive line, uh, for Oregon on the offensive side of the ball. We've, we've talked about it briefly, but you know, there's a ton of guys on the, at, at this group. Uh, I think it's as deep as it's been in a very, very long time. Uh, it might be as talented as, as it's ever been just because of all the talent that Mario Cristobal has been able to accumulate. You know, on the, on the defensive line side, I think we haven't even mentioned this in the show, but it's been a little bit of a surprise to see Kayvon Thibodeau and DJ Johnson kind of move around a little bit. DJ obviously spent the spring at the stud linebacker spot. He's been working with his hand in the ground. I actually asked about media day. He said that was his preference was to play with his hand. That's what he did in high school. That's kind of what his background has been in. So we'll see if that's kind of something that falls out there. And Kayvon obviously went from being somebody whose hand was in the dirt to now standing up and playing that stud spot. So they're cross-training these guys. They're two really talented edge-rushing players. Um, it's kind of been interesting to see them play different spots a little bit. Um, Avalos and Cristobal both said nothing is set in stone. These guys are going to move around a little bit. You know, It's not that they're sw- switching positions necessarily. We're just trying to kind of figure out uh, where everybody can fit and kind of maximize our depth. So that's been interesting. Uh, I think up front, I already spoke about just the immense size of the true freshmen, that, that group of Ware Hudson and Poti and Williams and Doralis. That group is really physically impressive. Interesting to see how that plays out. At linebacker, I think something that has kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but that I've been sort of surprised about has been, it's been MJ Cunningham and Samson New as the second team interior linebackers. And MJ Cunningham was a guy who kind of got overlooked, uh, last year. He redshirted, he didn't play an insane right. kid that people thought had a high upside, but we didn't know what we were going to get out of him. And, and to me, he's been a pretty big surprise that in that he's been with that second team through a couple of practices over the top of a guy like Drew Mathis or a guy like Jimon Eford or a guy like Andrew Johnson, who who are guys that we thought certainly in the spring kind of were above him on the depth chart. So that's been a bit of a surprise. Um, uh, other stuff at linebacker, I guess Bryson Young maintains kind of that starting stud spot. I don't think it looks like he's giving that up anytime soon. So I think I would say right now he looks pretty locked in as that guy. We'll see. Obviously a lot of talent behind him um, in the secondary Nothing huge besides I think Jamal Hill remains kind of the big storyline there, someone we didn't expect. Brady Breeze, we talked about that a little bit earlier, him pushing Nick Pickett for that starting spot, kind of holding the upper hand. Cornerback is is basically status quo. It's it's Thomas Grand, Diamond Lenore, Michael Wright, and David Davis have been running with the second team. Um, not a lot going on there. Uh, Verone McKinley's injury has kind of given opportunity for Hockey Woods to get a little bit more run, Jamal Hill to get a little bit more run. Uh, with the first and second team defense uh, at nickel. But that kind of runs you through it there. I think a lot of – I think the one thing defensively that just stands out is it just feels like there's depth at every position right now. Yeah. And that has, hasn't always felt the case. I mean, there were times last year even where I think they had like six or seven defensive linemen healthy at times during the season, and that's just not enough. And you look at it this year, it's just – you know, they've got 10 or 11 guys up front that are – look capable of playing. Obviously, we're not sure in terms of a game situation, but at least look the part. So uh, the depth looks good at every position. I, I don't think there's a spot where you go. I mean, cornerback last year in particular, I should mention, was really, really, I mean, basically Thomas Graham and Diamond Dillon played every snap. They were that it. One, that was all they had. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. You got Wright, who can step in and play a little bit. You got Woods and McKinley uh, and, and DJ James and David Davis, who's moved over from receiver. I just think there's a lot more depth defensively than we're used to seeing the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think I think that might be one of 
the the more overlaying themes of this team. And I, I was talking to uh, someone that that was at at the Saturday practice that was there to to watch, and um, and I, I I told that person that the biggest thing for me and and going through spring ball and now seeing some of these freshmen and and the sheer size that they've got and the, the capabilities that they have, I just think the overall depth is so much better for Oregon. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's a super hot take. And 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 sure I'll 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 fall on the sword and say it is. But at the same time, last year and I think even the year before that, we all kind of felt like Oregon's starters, they were talented enough to go up against basically anyone in the league. But what held them back was, in football, guys get hurt. Guys get tired. Guys have to come off the field for whatever reason. Some of it's a short period of time, and some of it could be for the season. Some of it could be for games or or a quarter or what have you because this is a physical game. Guys' bodies simply need rest. And that's where Oregon would would struggle is when their starter came off the field – the talent drop off and the production drop off from the guy that came off to the guy that replaced him was so drastic. Yeah. And now it doesn't feel like that. It, it or the 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 body composition of a player coming onto the field and replacing the starter was so much different. That doesn't feel that way now. It, it really feels like this group is is bigger, faster, stronger uh, across the board in the in their second and third strings. I'm trying to think of a position where I, if, if you removed the guy we consider to be the starter, where it would be such a drastic drop off that you'd be, that, that it would actually really impact a game in like a I think Cooper's the only one at quarterback. I, I was going to say that that's the obvious one. I, I think we're all still high on Tyler Shuck, but he hasn't actually been an in-game situation. And obviously Herbert is considered a, a top 10, top five, you know, draft pick caliber player. But you just go through the rest of the roster and like, you look at running back, I don't know if there's a guy you would take out. If you took off Verdell, you've still got Travis Dye. You know, you look at, and a bunch of other players and you look at the offensive line, I think maybe taking off a guy like Shane Lemieux because he is such a valuable part there or a Calvin Throckmorton because of his versatility, that would hurt. But as we mentioned earlier, there's still a bunch of really talented guys behind them. Wide receiver, you know, is such a mismatch right now. It's hard to kind of figure it out, but like there's just not a lot of spots where you look at it and go, man, if you took out this guy, there'd be a huge drop-off. I think Jordan Scott at nose tackle defensively feels like a spot where there'd be a huge drop-off just because we don't have anything proven yet. But, again, a lot of big, talented guys that have come in in this class. But it does feel like, you know, and obviously I'm knocking on wood right now because you don't want injuries to happen ever. You want everybody to be healthy if you can. Uh, but it feels like Oregon could sustain injuries if they did happen. We should mention extremely healthy right now at this point in camp McCormick. Is the only player that, or McCormick and McKinley are the only two players that we're aware of that have kind of missed time with some sort of injuries. Everybody else, as far as we know, is is, is healthy and out there practicing, and uh, that's that's huge. And, and again, the depth they have allows them to maybe even kind of handle some injuries if the, if those unfortunately do take place. Yeah, and there'll be lots to watch for during spring football, uh, during spring football, during summer fall camp as um, we see this depth play out. I wrote a story on the site, you know, the receiver depth is, has that position buzzing because there's just so many moving parts and interesting pieces. The defensive line, Eric, like you've noticed, um, has a lot of pieces and, and where do those all fit? And I think that's what's going to be so interesting and fun to watch yeah. uh, play out over the next two or so weeks is just 
how do these pieces all align? How do these pieces fall into place? And, and who is where? Are there going to be any surprises from a guy moving up the depth chart? Or could there be any surprises of guys moving down the depth chart? I think there's a lot of intrigue with this football team still. Uh, and, and, and look, and we could get into talking about Auburn, but that's, you know, we're still a long ways away from that one. And I think that's the main storyline right now of just how does this team get itself in, into position to prepare for Auburn? Yeah, no, and, and they said they won't really look at Auburn too closely until I think 10 days before. So they've still got a ways to get to there. Uh, obviously they're focused on themselves right now, but I, I think looking at the way this team's progressed the first couple of days of practice, I think it's mission accomplished so far in terms of they've, I think they've turned in two really good practices. And, and again, it's an immense amount of depth and talent. And, and I think just looking briefly at the matchup with Auburn and just anytime you play an SEC team, it seems like it boils down to stuff in the trenches. My takeaway from the first couple of days of practice is Oregon is going to be better off to handle those type of challenges than they have been in the past three, four years, probably just with the size, the strength, and especially on the offensive line, the experience. I think that matchup is potentially more favorable than, than people think with Oregon. I think Oregon has a really good chance. Just just seeing these guys a couple days in, again, knee-jerk, hot take if you want it to be. Uh, this group feels capable, and I think it's going to be a really, really fun game on August 31st. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Highly encourage you guys, go check out DuckTerritory.com. We've got a ton of stuff up on the site, uh, a ton of stuff still to come on the site. Uh, and on top of that, we're offering a free promotion right now where you can get two months on top of – if you sign up for a month's subscription, we'll tack on two more months. So three months for the price of one. Nine ninety five gets you through fall camp, gets you through the month of September, gets you through the month of October and into some of November now. Uh, and basically – Gets you through almost the entire football season. Recruiting coverage comes with that. Basketball season will have started by the time your subscription ends. So you'll get a ton of coverage on Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, Oregon men's and women's basketball, Oregon men's and women's basketball recruiting, and a ton more by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com for $9.95. Uh, it's less than $4 a month. Uh, you can sign up and get VIP access to us as well as every other article that's posted on 24-7 Sports. So highly encourage you guys to try that out. Share that. If you are a subscriber, share that with friends. Get your friends on the board as well. So for Eric Scopo and myself, Matt Pring, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll be back later this week with another podcast breaking all of Oregon football down as we continue to get ready for August 31st when the Oregon Ducks take on the Auburn Tigers. Adios, amigos.